0: Hey, my name's Steve Sims, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with
1: your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host, Steve Arneson, and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. What's up? We are back with another episode of the Go Big to Get Big podcast. And this guest today, his bio is so crazy that it makes me smile every time I read it. You ready? Okay. Do you know anyone that has worked with Sir Elton John or Elon Musk, sent people down to the wreck on the Titanic on the seabed, or closed a museum in Florence for a private dinner party, and then had Andre Bucelli serenade them while they eat their pasta? Well, after listening to this podcast, you can now say that you do. Quoted as the real-life Wizard of Oz by Forbes and Entrepreneur Magazine, Steve Sims is a best-selling author, sought-after coach, top-rated speaker, and even spoke at Harvard twice. He also hosts the Art of Making Things Happen podcast and is launching his new book, Go for Stupid, on October 18th, which you can go get on Amazon. What an incredible person Steve Sims is. And I don't need to say much more other than this man will make you believe that you can accomplish anything if you get rid of the word impossible and stop letting other people tell you what you can and cannot do. But before we jump into today's episode, I want to share quickly about an incredible charity run that we are supporting called the Run or Walk to Rebuild Atlantic Canada, where my good friend Brian Banks is helping raise money for people who have lost everything in the hurricanes. He is encouraging people to get out, go for a run, and help raise some money along the way. You can check out our bio inside our Instagram for more information, and you can do a donation there, or you can go visit Brian's Instagram page at Brian J. Banks, 85, for more information on how you can get a part of it and make a donation. And with that, let's jump into this incredible episode with the legendary Steve Sims. All right. We are excited to welcome the modern day Wizard of Oz, the guy who makes the impossible happen and one of the most well connected people on this planet, Steve Sims. Thank you so much for joining us, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we've ran around a lot of the same circles and Steve and I have probably speak over a dozen times at various events and you are the most captivating speaker every single time. And it is partly because you just have the craziest stories that people couldn't even imagine. And I couldn't imagine living the life you live, let alone sharing the stories of what you've been able to create. But I'd love to start the show off by you just sharing your favorite like, moment of Wizard of like, like What's your favorite moment that you like to share that inspires people with what are your stories?
0: Wow. Well, here's the first tactic. Never give people what they ask for. Okay? <laughs> That's the first tactic. So what we've always done is people have said to us, hey, has there ever been anything you couldn't achieve? Well, the answer has been no because we've never gone for what they asked us for in the first place. So we've had people go, Hey, I want front row tickets to the rock band journey concert. Okay. And then if possible, a meet and greet backstage that was born a shit. So we got them up on stage and they sang four tunes as the temporary lead singer of that rock band and is now registered as the shortest term lead singer of the rock band journey. We had another client that wanted to go for the ultimate dining experience in Florence. So we thought, well, we could easily get a table and get the chef to come out and maybe show him how to make pasta or some shit like that. So what we decided to do that was the stupid idea was to take over the Academia de Galleria, which is the famous museum that houses Michelangelo's David, the most iconic statue in the world. And nine o'clock at night in a museum that they owned for the entire evening, we had a table of six feet up, uh, si- <laughs> table of six set up, at the feet of Michelangelo's David. And while they're eating their dinner, we brought in Andrea Bocelli in a serenade and while they're eating their pasta. I put people in Formula One cars in Monaco, got them drum lessons with Guns N' Roses, guitar lessons with ZZ Top, walked the white carpet in the Oscar party with Elton John, had breakfast with Oprah Winfrey, Basically, I was the Make-A-Wish Foundation for people with very large checkbooks.
1: That is absolutely incredible. And as you can imagine, like the stories you share from stage and the way you present yourself is absolutely amazing. Just from hearing you share those first few stories, you can tell there's a lot of passion behind what you do. And I know that's something that you like to talk a lot about. One of your taglines is, if there's no passion, there's no point. So I'd love to just hear your thoughts on that. Like, What's your definition of passion and why do people need to find it or else there's no point in doing it?
0: Well, they not only need to find it, they need to direct it. And that's usually where the problem is. People go, well, I really like gardening. I'll make a career out of gardening. Passion and business aren't always entwined. In fact, I've always said I was not in the business I was in business for. And it confuses a lot of people, and it's a confusing statement. I spent billionaires' monies giving them interesting cocktail stories by setting them up with these amazing experiences. But that wasn't my business. My business was to spend two hours over lunch with them, interviewing them, asking these powerful people, how do you view relationships? How do you pick a deal? How do you see an investments working? When do you let, and this is a really powerful one, when do you let things die? Because as entrepreneurs, oh, this is the next big thing, but successful entrepreneurs know when to let things go. And so I basically was in the business to have those conversations. I just had to make you look more interesting in order to have those conversations. So for me, the passion wasn't walking the red carpet in in Paris Fashion Week or the Macau Film Festival. I don't give a shit about any of that. My focus was this over here, and that's where my passion lied, because I wanted to get smarter. I grew up with no money. I was a bricklayer for my family in East London, an Irish bricklaying firm, and I was poor. And for anyone out there, it ain't romantic. It stinks. Being poor is shit. No fucker likes it. So I was aggravated enough to go out and try and find people that had money so I could quite easily go, hey, how come you've got money and I haven't? And What do I need to do to get it? And I was that aggravated little kid that did it. So that was the passion point. And then as soon as I found that I actually had some pretty damn good information and I wasn't worried about paying for my house or anything, then I started sharing that with other people because I wanted to go, okay, I managed to use it. I wonder if it's easily transferable to other people. So that's when I started coaching and teaching to get other people to be more impactful, more successful by often doing less of the shit that they were doing. And that's what I enjoy doing now. So that's where my passion moves. And that's another thing that you need to be very aware of. Your passion is an ocean and it will move. It will surf. It will crest. It will white tip. It will move about. And you, if you're lucky, get to ride it.
2: I love that that metaphor for it. I've never heard it explained that way. And I think that's really direct and so on point. When you're jumping into those Interviews. And when you're having those initial conversations with the billionaires of the world or those people who can write that crazy check, who want to give a once in a lifetime opportunity or experience to their significant other or whoever it might be, and maybe it's just for themselves, as you're going through and understanding who they are and what they're trying to accomplish out of it, you said that you never really give them exactly what they want. You want to create something above or beyond almost. I imagine there has to be a really high level of trust that has to take place in that conversation between you and your client. So I want to ask you, like, what are some of the keys to building such a deep, personal, but genuine relationship in what is probably kind of a compressed timeline?
0: Yeah. So the first thing is you can't trust someone when they're selling something, but you can trust them when they're solving. And that's Mm. one of the key differences there. So whenever I met someone, it wasn't a case of, hey, how are you doing? My name's Steve Sims. I'm wonderful. I can do this. I would be, I can, I've moved this. I've never given an intro like I did with you there at the beginning of the show, because it's a different thing, but I'm there to go, Hey, thank you very much for taking the time. What's your problem that we need to solve? What's the issue you have and how can I help you with it? And once I've started finding out what that problem is, that's when you challenge it. Now I wrote, I'm, I'm not pitching a book, but I wrote a chapter on something called Amazonification. It's when you take your product and commit and use it as a transaction. Okay. If that's the case, Amazon's waiting to put you out of business. Whenever anyone comes to you, I don't care if you're a plumber, if you're a car mechanic, if you're a roofer, if you're a coach, if you're a dentist, I've got this problem. Don't solve it. Challenge why it's a problem how did you get that problem? Oh, I've got this toothache. How did you get that toothache? Oh, I don't know. I've been doing this for ages. Ah, there's the root of the problem. Now we're going to make this pain go away, but let's make sure that we never do that again. So the pain doesn't come back. Oh, I want a red cake. That's fantastic. I can do you a red cake, but why do you want a red cake? Oh, my dad loves Ferraris. Does he? Well, why don't we do a red cake, but do some yellow cars around it because yellow and red is the color of a Ferrari. Would that be good? That's fantastic. You've taken the request, challenged it for more information, and then grown. And when you actually show that you care about the request, you remove the necessity for loyalty points, Mm -hmm. and you exceed the value. Because let's be honest, everything that I've just mentioned is going to cost the same. If it's 10 bucks for a red cake, it's going to be 10 bucks for a red cake with a bit of yellow on it. So you've not changed any of the paradigm of the pricing,
2: but you've increased the valuation of what they got from that price. I love that. Your resume, hearing about it and looking at it at a glance, it almost looks impossible, but I just picked up a book called Everything is Outable. And I think that's probably a mindset that a lot of entrepreneurs have and all of our listeners probably, but you have that. You have a master's in that but the sounds of things. Where did that come from? What is it? Maybe in the first place, what is that mindset to to get there? And then, where did that come from? And then, maybe balance that into that that fine line of we mentioned earlier around knowing when to stop if needed. So that's twice in this show you've said the Voldemort word. Oh,
0: you've used the word impossible. Mm-hmm. Both of you did in the intro and now. The second you use that word, you give it fuel. You give it energy. You give it power. You give it command. Hey, I'm going to go for this. It's impossible, but I'm going to go for it. You've given yourself a get out. It's like trying to jump in the swimming pool, but not wanting to get wet. And so you have to commit. It's like me going, oh, I'm going to bang my head against this brick wall. That's exactly what using the word impossible. So the first thing to do, remove that word. Okay, if you don't recognize it, you can't see it, you're going to exceed it. That's the first thing, but here's how I kind of understood it. You see, my wife been with her for like thirty seven years, and she's always said that I'm a fifty five year old five year old so I am that constantly aggravated, curious kid. But we had a party probably about oh, ten years ago, and we had two of the characters that had just started this new franchise of movies, which were the Marvel movies. Now, I won't mention their names. They're very successful now, but I don't want to shout out names all the time. They were at my dinner party. We had about 12 people there. And they were actors that this Marvel franchise was really thrown back in the limelight. So we're, we're at the dinner party and now all excited because they've got the contracts and they've started shooting. And as we're going through the party and we're all starting like down the whiskeys and the cocktails, the guy turns around and says, look, we're both in the new upcoming Marvel movie, this was before it became a massive franchise. We want to know, do you have a superpower and what is it? And if you don't have it, what would you like to have? Now, of course, everyone in the room, as they went around the room, Is trying to say, oh, my superpower is, or if I had a superpower, it would be. Now, we don't often recognize our own superpowers. So we're stood there and I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of something that makes me sound intelligent to that table. I want to be able to sit there and go, well, I would like to rid famine with the flick of a wrist, or I would like to end poverty by a wink of my eye, some shit like that, when really we all know that. The only superpower guys want is to be able to see through women's clothing. (laughs) That's the truth. All right. Every guy's going to deny it, but we all fucking know it. So I'm trying to think of something intelligent. And as we're going around the table, I had three of them. Two of them I just gave you. The bastards at my table were stealing my ideas. So as it was getting close to me, I'm like, well, I'm going to do the famine one. Shit. He just did the famine one. Now I'm going to lose poverty. Damn it. And I was getting aggravated. So it gets to me. And it went, Sims, superpower. What is it? Or what would it be? And I'm like, oh, and I'm trying to think of something. Okay. I didn't want to do the ladies' clothing thing. My wife was next to me. And she touches my arm and she went, babe, I got this. Now, there's nothing better than your wife telling people what your superpower is. It's majorly credible. And I'm like, all right, thanks, hon. This is going to be good. So she's holding me on the arm and she looks at everyone. She went, Steve's got a superpower. Do you know what his superpower is? And I am loving this moment. And she turns around and she went, he's ignorant. (laughs) And I was like, "Fuck! you've just called me ignorant in front of all of these people. How can you do that to me? What's wrong with you? And she feels the temperature of the room just start to drop. And everyone kind of like glancing at each other. And she's like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. How many times has he done something? And you've sat there going. How the fuck did he do that? How the hell did he pull that off? It's because Steve went into that challenge ignorant to it going any other way than the way that he saw it. He couldn't hear the laugh, the laughing. He couldn't hear the naysayers. He couldn't hear a no. If they happen to say no, it wasn't registering. He was purely ignorant to it going any other way than the way he perceived and demanded it to be. That's his superpower. Now, she saved me. She made me sound good. But then I started looking around at all the people. See, here's one of the other things, and it's, it's one of the reasons why there's a book about it now. If you look at everyone you revere today, now, in the 80s, who did you want to be? You wanted to be a rock star. You wanted to be a, a, a rocket, uh, an astronaut. You wanted to be a superhero. In the 90s, you wanted to be a rock star or maybe a business owner. Now, who are the rock stars today? Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, okay, Larry Page, and Richard Branson. You ask people who they want to be today, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to, because they know entrepreneurs that are superheroes of today. But a good entrepreneur is ignorant to the naysayers. You see, the entire planet love to laugh and ridicule and take the piss out of all of us. But all the people that are up there that we revere, did it by stupid goals. Steve Jobs can't write code, but I want a simple way of computing. Drag, drop, done. I want simplicity that looks good. Okay, I'll find people to build it, but that's my vision. Walt Disney, I have a vision for a playground where we can all be at one, where we can fantasize. He built it, got mocked, got protested, got hate mail, and we got Elon Musk, Richard Branson. We got all of these people that had stupid, ridiculous goals. Elon Musk. I hate the way we're banking. I'm going to disrupt it. What the fuck do you know about banking? Doesn't matter. I'm going to disrupt it. And he did. I don't like the way cars are actually fuming. I'm going to rebuild. I'm going to disrupt the auto industry. The fuck do you know about cars? Doesn't matter. He did it. If you heard today that Elon Musk was going to channel the power, and I'm thinking about this on the spot, from volcanoes to power cities, if I told you that, you'd probably just go, yeah, he will. because he's disrupted and it's been constant. But the trouble is before you get to him, you have to get laughed at. And I actually, I've worked with Elon and Elon turned around and he said, they always laugh at you just before they applaud. Mm. And as entrepreneurs, we're all striving for something big. We're all striving for something good. And this is why I love the idea and concept of your podcast. And I'm going to call it out now. How many times do you guys have now or in the past, and anyone listening, you've got this idea, you've got this concept, and it's in your head, you can see it, and you can see how it would benefit people, and you can see the impact. And you're talking to your buddies over coffee or a beer, and you start going into it, and I'm going to do this because the impact will be this, and then it could grow, and I could scale, and that could be franchised off, and then this impact, and you start doing that. And your buddies at the table look at you like you're a fucking moron. (laughs) And they just glaze over and you can read it. You can read the rooms left you 10 minutes ago. And then you're faced with two options. You get up and leave the table. Few people do that. Or you take option number two and you sit there and you go, oh, don't mind me. I don't know what I was thinking. Someone must have spiked my coffee. And you dilute all of your dreams to meet the dumb asses at your table. How many times have we done that? I know I've had it. I'm sure shit you've had it. But what we've done, the successful people, is you realize I'm at the wrong table. That's why you, Steve, flew all the way to freaking Thailand to be in a room full of creatively disruptive people that work. You flew that distance to join Hogwarts, where all (laughs) the weird, wacky kids became the normal ones.
2: It and loved, loved every it. minute of it.
0: <laughs> Damn right. But that's the, da- that's the downside with today. I know I went off on a bit of a tangent there, but we've got to go big.
1: That's so powerful, Stephen. I've got goosebumps because I was like, we're just in the middle of building, go big to get big and blowing some real estate up. And Stephen, and I talk all the time that it's just so hard in our circles to have these conversations where you're talking yeah. about in, in your circle, if two, three, $4 million in revenue seems like a big number, you're never going to be able to go hit that 15, 20 million in revenue because people are going to laugh at you when you talk those numbers. But when you start getting into those bigger groups and hanging in the bigger circles, all of a sudden they're laughing at you for only doing three or 4 million in revenue. You're like, does that? That's actually
0: beautiful. And here's the other dumb thing. like Everyone knows I wear a black... T- you, you've met me, Steve. You know me. Black t-shirt and jeans. That's me. All right? I've got more black t-shirts than Steve Jobs and that says a lot. <laughs> so But that's how I've always been. And I've always been on two wheels. In fact, today I celebrate the first time I bought a car and I bought a Bronco. I know it's crazy. I bought a Bronco just so I could go and pick up the bikes and bike parts better without (laughs) nicking my wife's car. What year
2: was it? Huh? What year was the Bronco? Oh, it's
0: 2021. Brand spanking new, wild tracks, Sasquatch. Of course, it's all fucking jazzed up and it's looking bitching. But So I bought this thing and here's the daft thing. I've always been on a motorcycle. And I was going to a party in Monaco in 1997. Now I'd been hanging around with billionaires for like eight years. Prior to that, I had a brilliant reputation. I was living in a penthouse in Switzerland. Everything was great. And I was talking to this guy at this party about this party that I was going to in Monaco. And he turned around and he went, and you're going like that? And he looked at me and I thought, shit, I'm going to this party and it was with Ferrari pretty decent luxury brand. And we were celebrating the 50th anniversary of Ferrari in Monaco at the Monaco Grand Prix with the Formula One team. All right. It was the kings and queens and A-listers all over the place. And I thought to myself, shit, I'm going to go like this. And I couldn't. And I actually changed the way. I literally went out a couple of days later, got tailor-made suits. I remember this. I bought a $50,000 watch. In 1997, okay? And I went to this party. And I went to this party and I'm at the bar and I was with Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger at this bar. And these guys were doing Terminator and Rambo at the time. So these guys were the A-list guys of the planet. This was in their heyday. And someone took a picture of us. And when I got back to Switzerland, where I was living at the time, I got this picture. And I realized I'm not in it. This prick in the suit is with the 50 grand watch, but not me. Not me with a black t-shirt and an old-fashioned in my hand and a crash helmet on the bar. Some twat that thinks he wants to be something special. And then it hit me a second thing. I'm a pretty strong guy. I'm a pretty powerful force. But I'd listen to a fucktard that wasn't even invited to the party on what I should wear to the party he wasn't going to. Oh, man. It made no sense. So today. We literally have to look at those people laughing at us and realize they're not invited to our party. They're laughing at us because they're terrified we're going to pull it off and to show them as inadequate to do so.
1: That is special, Steve. That is so cool. I just love the way you think and the way your brain operates. And I want to slowly dive into the book you're about to launch now the go for stupid and the art of achieving ridiculous goals. It's going to be incredible. I'm excited for the mission to come out. I'm excited to be a part of it. it so, everything you just talked about just sums up exactly. I'm sure what's going to be in the book about going for stupid and this kinds of conversations. I would love to get deep into that, but first I just want to hear what is your next go for stupid moment? Like, like you've done everything. You've got the Rolodex of what many people could wish for. You've hung out with the A-listers. You've done everything on this planet. What is your next go for stupid moment yourself? So I'm in my late fifties now. Okay. I don't
0: know how many more years I've got before I'm facing the dirt. And so for me to make another million dollars or Buy another Bronco or another motorbike. That kind of shit isn't really what's big on my agenda. What I want to do is actually see if I can create impact before I go. And I'm not on about impact with 10, 20, 50, 100, thousands of people when we speak at an arena. I want to give permission worldwide for people to ignore the laughter and go for something that they are willing to be ridiculed at. I want people to dare to be different, dare to go for stupid. Again, remember that impossible word? Get it out of your vocabulary. Never use it again. But I want people to challenge themselves and go, hey, I want a $10 million business. I've only got a million dollar business today. $10 million, that's a decent goal. But fuck me, $20 million, that's a stupid one. I'm going for, and I want them to start pushing it. And then what I want them to do is I want them to post about it. We use social platforms today to talk about all the shit we got up to. I want people to talk about the relationships they're in, the contracts they pulled off, the brand new sports car they managed to buy because that business is so good. Boast the fucking shit out of all of your accolades and achievements. And then I want you to hashtag it, go for stupid. Now, how much will I get paid for every hashtag? Yeah, don't, because you don't get paid for hashtags. How much will I get paid for you buying that sports car, your business quadrupling its income, you getting into the relationship of your dreams? I'll get fuck all, apart from that we will be changing the way we work with each other. We'll be challenging each other. We'll be supporting each other. And you and I will be giving other people permission to go for ridiculous goals and to not listen to the haters sitting at the end of the bar that's not going to achieve anything. That's my girl for stupid moment and that's the movement I'm trying to create.
2: I just got two words, man. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) I want to pivot a little bit more into like the impact on things and the give back component into this series of podcast. And I think the best question to follow that up with and to lead off with is do you believe that everyone deserves a second chance?
0: Oh, hell, I go to prison a lot, and it's not because I've been thieving shit in the local sacks. I've, I've taken over 200 entrepreneurs into a level four maximum security prison for that exact reason, to be able to have conversations with people that make them uncomfortable, but then also to offer people a second chance at communication. What's the impact that, that those entrepreneurs get out of that? Or what's why, why prison and why that scenario? Can you think of a more uncomfortable place than a maximum security prison? So when you're concerned about getting up on stage and talking to 50,000 people or you're nervous about standing up on a Monday morning and giving the Monday morning meeting to 12 people, Mm. or you're worried about picking up the phone and speaking to a prospect, if you actually end up speaking to a, a gang member in a level four maximum security prison and they are positive, you go, well, hang on a minute. How can you be positive when you're never getting out of here for mistakes you made when you were a kid? You go home going, so I didn't get the ROI on me Facebook. So who gives a fuck? I now know how I can communicate with people. And you start showing up. You know, mm-hmm. when you pull all the trinkets off of everything, when you rip away everyone's fancy car, fancy suit, fancy watch, we're all the exact same. And we try to cover ourselves. We try to be something that we're not. And isn't it, isn't it fucked up that when someone dares to show up and go, hey, screw that what do we do? We go, oh, look at that person. He's so authentic. We revere people today for being normal, for being real. And when we look at someone and go, oh, look at him, he's so authentic. We've just acknowledged that the rest of the world today is not.
1: Wow. That is powerful. And I know you spent a lot of time there and done some incredible stuff there. And I want to stay on the side of giving here and just talk about you obviously know our good friend, Cole Hatter, and his mission to make money matter. And our mission here is inspiring businesses to go bigger so that they can actually give back more and adding line items of giving into their businesses so they can do more. On a tangible side of giving, on the word of like possibility and what can be created in this world, how do you believe that entrepreneurs can actually have a m- way bigger impact in this world than they currently are?
0: So I love that focus. And people have always concerned about giving money. And I don't actually like to give money away. Okay. And the first thing is that people go, well, you've got so much, you're working, Get you get paid so much. Why don't you give it away? No, I will do an event and raise money from that event that I pay for the cause to give someone else a benefit. I also like to give away my time and it's the classic, if I give you fish, You'll feast for the day, but if I teach you to fish, you'll never be hungry. So what I like to do is to take time. I like to run chapters. I like to run courses. I like to run dinners. I like to run cocktail receptions and invite young entrepreneurs and go, hey, what's your problem today? You know, what do we need to be working on? What are you shit scared of? Well, I don't know how to do Google ads. I know the number one agent in the planet. He's going to phone you next Tuesday because I'm asking him to phone you and you're going to do well with it and understand, pay it forward. So we constantly, I like to get people to communicate with each other to make them stronger because when you're strong, everyone around you is strong and the impact just leads out exponentially. One solid person can create a hundred solid people and as they get more solid, they create another hundred. So that's what I focus on.
1: How does that work in with some of the clients that you work with? And I know when you did that journey, working with that guy with Journey, you did a lot of stuff with autism in there and the concert was around there. What impact does that have for you? Like, do you feel more excited about clients that hire you to do things that have a cause or a mission attached to them versus personal? Just like doing a dinner, making it nice. Do they have a different effect on you? None of the clients have ever asked us to build in a
0: cause element. Okay, so that's always been us. Okay, we want to make sure the multiple people are benefiting from your experience. Okay. You get to go and have a great cocktail story. You get to go and tell people, Hey, I did this. I was brilliant. And also I raised a million dollars for charity. Hey, it gives you a good cocktail story and it'll help you sleep at night. For me, I know that we've benefited you for your cocktail story and we benefited causes and charities that need the money
2: to be able to do the work they need to do. I love it. I and mean, that's going to have a great impact, man. This is one of my favorite questions on, on this show. And then we ask all of our guests that I want you to share a story about one of your favorite moments of giving. And it doesn't have to be that like million dollar track, even though you might not have, you're expressing that you're not a big donation kind of guy with time kind of thing. Is there a moment that just pulls on your heartstrings? And just when you think back, it's one of your favorite memories of giving? There's so many.
0: And I'm certainly not sitting here thinking, oh, I give my time and my money and I, all this kind of stuff. But I've always been graced to be opportunist. And so whenever I go to an event, and there's been many events, and one was just recently up in Canada, and there was a couple in there. And I just walked out, I was speaking on the stage, and I was just trying to get to know the audience a little bit. So I was walking around people, and they were like, oh, you let me get a selfie. And they were getting selfies with me and all that kind of stuff. And I spoke to this couple, and this couple had no idea who I was. That's fine. I'm not a big shot. And uh, I just said to them, why are you here? Have you got kids? And they were like, yeah, we've got kids. And it was a Saturday morning. And uh, I said, so who's looking after the kids? They went, oh, we had to get our parents to come in and again. I said, so, okay, so where do you live? And they were like, oh, we're like a four hour train ride from where they live to this summer. So I went, so you, you dragged your parents out of bed on a Saturday to, to look after your kids. Then you sat on a fucking train for four hours. So you, you've lost an entire day sitting on that train backwards and forwards. I said, are you staying overnight? No, no, no. We can't afford it. We're going back tonight. Just so that they could be in that room to hopefully benefit themselves, to be able to go back to that business and make it better. Mm. And I just thought to myself, how powerful is that couple? The pair of them have gone, fuck it. This is where we step up. We're going into war. We are going to get on that train. We are going to lose part of our life to get to that, to make it worthwhile, to come home. All they had on their head, without saying it, was to get back to that house more impactful than when they left it. Mm. And I couldn't get over this train. They had no money. They obviously had troubles. They were young in the entrepreneurial space. They were both in their 20s. Okay. But they were so aggravated to need to do something about that business that they would trek eight hours there and back to do this event. So I did my speaking gig in the morning and then I took him out for lunch and we just sat there for probably about an hour and three quarters, literally scribbling down laptop open. What are you working on? Let's look at your branding. No, your branding's off there. Your message is construed there. And we recorded it all. One of the beautiful little things about this, we recorded the whole thing, and then I sent them the recording. So not only did they get what we'd spoken about, they also got the recording so they could follow up with it. And I said, this is what you're going to do. You are going to pay me $5,000 for this hour and three quarters that I've spent with you. Now, we knew they had no money, okay? So that's a pretty much of a dick move to tell them that they've now got to pay me $5,000 you've got to pay me $5,000 for this hour and three quarters that I've just spent with you. Or within five days, you send me a transcript of everything that we've gone through, highlighting the bullet points, and then telling me what order you're going to attack those bullet points. And then from one month after that, we're going to come back to find out what ones you've actually actioned. And if you've got any issues on any of them, we find people that can actually come in and help you with those. If you fail on any of those points, you owe me $5,000 and I will collect. And that's what I did. And it was brilliant. The funny thing is, I don't know how many conversations we've had. It's almost freaking weekly with them now, but they are doing so well. And I, that's, that powers me. And more beautifully, they told me a little while ago that they're actually now speaking with other people in their area on what they need to do. And I, it just keeps going. It's the gift that never
1: stops giving. Absolutely love that. And uh, I think it just shows to your nature, man. It's uh, Writing checks is one thing, but helping someone like that is life-changing. You just gave that couple a chance for a lifetime and they're going to pass that on forever and ever and ever. So that's beautiful, man. We, we're going to jump into our giving round here, which is just some rapid fire questions, quick answers. Are you ready? Probably not, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Brag on one charity that you like.
0: Uh, Defy. It's the uh, charity that supports incarcerated Uh, Members to bring them out to take that hustle into uh, profitable legal ways.
2: What gets you more excited? Donating a million dollars or spending a week physically helping others?
0: Oh, every time, helping, helping, helping. If I can help you make a million, then that's
1: even better. Very cool. Who inspires you with their giving?
0: Oh, that is a really tough one. (laughs) The trouble is, I don't look to someone as a benchmark for that. I think who inspires me are my kids. Hmm. And it's the aggravation of the world that they're living in that wants me to help make it a little bit more polished before I'm dirt up. So I don't have any role models of giving other than the aggravation I currently am in.
2: If ignorance is your superpower, what's your kryptonite?
0: Oh, wow. I would probably have to say stupidity. (laughs) I get so aggravated with stupidity. I am not good with people. If someone's ignorant, hey, you can educate them. If they're just fuck stupid, then it just bothers me that they're using the same air.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Great answer. What do you think of when you first hear go big to give big? A win-win.
2: Beauty. In one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Pride. Very cool.
1: Final question, the age-old question. I'm sure you've heard it before, so I'm excited to hear your answer on this one. Do you believe that money can buy you happiness?
0: It could buy motorbikes,
1: but no, in itself, no, it's everything that you action with it. Beautiful, man. I absolutely love that answer. And we just can't thank you enough for coming on the show today, hanging out with us and just talking about all the incredible things that this world can do, how they can think bigger, how they can go bigger and how they can do bigger. And I want to give you the spotlight for a few seconds here to share about your book, share about how people can get in touch with you or find out more about you.
0: Very easy. Go, go for stupid.com or look me up on Steve D. Sims anywhere that you consume your media. Steve D. Sims Steve D. Sims, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Tinder, anywhere. Actually, I'm not on Tinder. That's <laughs> a joke. But, you know, don't, don't start looking on Tinder for me. But I'm Steve D. Sims absolutely everywhere. Say go for stupid. And when you do something that's amazing, whether you buy the book or not, Start hashtagging go for stupid. Let's start a movement where people go for bigger goals.
1: Absolutely love it, man. Well, thank you so much for coming in and inspiring our community to go bigger with their dreams and goals so they can give bigger with their profits and inspiring us just to think bigger and go for stupid, man. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of go big to get big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.